Right, hello. So, I've no idea where this is going anymore because I'm starting where I was finishing. And we'll just go with it because, yeah, God is here and God is speaking powerfully and you can feel his presence and I love it. <laughs> so, let's, let's uh, start with where, we, where I was going to finish and where we left off this morning with a scripture that was read that just seems so, so poignant with Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. (laughs) The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition for sinners so that you will not grow weary and so that you will not lose heart. The Christian walk is not an easy one, but it is fulfilling and it is about the best adventure and journey you can ever start out on. It's the most exciting race and the best bit is you've absolutely no idea where you're going to end up tomorrow, let alone in 10 years but you know that God is with you and that he says, I will never leave or forsake you. He doesn't promise it's going to be easy, but what he does say is that he will be with us. He makes us promises. He makes promises that he won't forget us, he will never leave nor forsake us, that he has a hope and a plan for our futures. The Bible is strewn with them. And he commissions us to go, to love him, to be loved by him, to be his children, and to show that love to all of those who surround us. That the kingdom will be expanded. Our great commission to go and tell everybody, but that's coming from a place of knowing that love, of knowing who we are in God, of knowing that we are valued and we are worth something. It doesn't matter what we do, it's not about each and every action that we make, it's not about the little fights and the struggles and the arguments we have with him, be that on a minutely or an hourly or a daily basis. Because I don't know about you, I regularly have arguments with God. He says, go do this, and I say no. And he says, go do this, and I say, not happening, not today, no. Are you having a giraffe? You want me to go and say something to that random person in Sainsbury's? Mm-mm. And yet it niggles and it niggles and it niggles until you finally do it. And the revelation that comes in that, the joy, the success, like Mark this morning telling us about the guy in the garage. His car wasn't working, it had a problem. He went, for those of you who didn't hear, he just got a brand new car and he got to 50 mile per hour and the car started cutting out. So he had to turn around and go back. And he ended up praying for this guy and he saw him healed. He saw an opportunity, God put him in a place, and he followed it. We so often hear the promises of God, and if they don't happen instantly, they don't happen today, they don't happen tomorrow, and they don't happen the next day, we lose hope. We give up, we forget about them, we think, what's the point? And what I wanted to talk about today was waiting on God and being ready for his call. How do you wait? There are promises that are so poignant, so powerful. 
and yet we lose sight of what they truly mean to us. I love the Amplified Bible because it tells you what words actually mean. Yeah, yeah. They tell you, they tell you what words actually mean. So, you know, we're told to trust God and his promises. Trust. How, how do you trust somebody? Can you make yourself trust the person next to you? Can you turn around and say, I am going to trust Keith that he will, you know, he will lead this church powerfully and positively, that he will take us into the kingdom and that he will show us what God's saying to us today. You can say it, but do you believe it and do you feel it and do you know it in your mind, body, soul and spirit? How do you trust God? So Isaiah 40 30, 31, says, Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall feebly stumble and fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, who look for, and for hope in him, shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift their wings and mount up close to God as eagles. As eagles mount up to the sun, they shall run, there we go again, and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or become tired. To trust in God is to wait on him. Faith is a gift. It's not something that you can make happen within yourself, but there are things you can do in turning to God that build that faith, that see it grow, and trust is the same. And that comes of waiting for God not giving up on his promises, but having a hope in them. It's not easy though. I'm not gonna tell you a lie, it is not easy. Psalm 37, you've got to love the Psalms. Honest as anything, if you want to find an emotion, look to the Psalms, there will be a passage there that reflects the mood you're in on that day, that reflects the place you're in and the way you feel towards God. There are positive ones, there are negative ones, there are angry ones, there are ecstatic and joyful ones. It covers everything. But Psalm 37 says, do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong for like the grass they will soon wither. And like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. It's all tied up in one. Having faith, trusting, waiting on the Lord. But these are all concepts. They're all ideas. They're all something we know we should be doing. But being human, we want to know how to do it. We want a 10-step guide. We want the, you do this, you do this, you do this, and then you get there. Following God and having a relationship with him isn't like that. I wish I could tell you that there were 
10 easy steps on how to wait on God. 10 easy steps to see his fulfillment in your life and to see his promises come true. What I'm gonna tell you is it's a journey. And you look through the Bible and there are tens, if not hundreds, potentially more of stories of people living their lives out, seeing God breaking into them, seeing God give them promises, and then they wait. It's not very often you see God said this and then it happened. Yes, there are some miraculous occasions where it was the case. But on the whole, there's the revelation, there's the, the call. There is God speaking to that person and then they wait to see it happen. God uses waiting to prepare us. It's not a step you can rush. You try and do it yourself, ooh. You see some interesting results, but not the God ones. You look at the story of Moses. He's told, go and uh, speak to Pharaoh, see the people come out of Egypt, great, take the promised land. And then they walk and walk and walk and walk and walk a little bit more. And they walk and walk and walk and walk and walk a little bit more. And then they have a bit of an argument and things go a bit wrong. And they take too much manna. God promises to feed them and they collect too much food up. And the next day it's all gone and God says, I told you to trust me. So they learn from that, that they had to trust him in the first place. And then they walk and walk and walk and walk and walk a little bit more. And there are so many instances of them having to be patient and wait to enter that promised land, to see that promise God gave them, that mighty promise, you are gonna get there, I am gonna show you the way, we will be there. And they go, yeah, but we've been walking, what can we do to stop this? What can we do to get there sooner? And you get to a point in um, Exodus 19 where the people have come to a mountain and they've set up camp. And basically, cut a long story short over a number of chapters Exodus 19 Moses um, goes up the mountain and God speaks with him and he says I'm going to give these instructions so he goes back to the people and the people say yeah we'll follow we'll do what you say so he goes back up and he says the people said yes so God says okay go and consecrate them make them holy enough that they can come in front of me because of course I can't be surrounded by sinners. Moses goes back down and says, you know, consecrate yourselves and stay pure and for three days you must not have sex before meeting me and la la la, wash and get ready. So Moses goes back up and says, the people are ready and God says, don't let them come too close. And he goes back down the mountain and they all go and they gather and they see thunder and they see clouds and they hear clashing cymbals and they hear trumpets and God speaks and they go, oh, I can't handle it anymore, no. Moses, you go talk to God. If we're in front of him, we'll surely die. You get the message, we trust you. Off you go. And then there's a good few chapters, and we skip on to 32. So we've gone through, you know, a good 10 chapters or so. So that's a lot of information, a lot of rules, a lot of law, a lot of advice for living, a lot of God saying, look, if you do this, this is how well you can live. If you can get this right, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to bless you. And then Moses gets to the point where um, 
He's ready to come down, but not before things have gone wrong. When Moses failed to come back down the mountain right away, the people went to Aaron. Look, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. This man Moses who brought us here from Egypt, he's disappeared, he's gone. We don't know what has happened to him. So Aaron said, it's all right, tell your wives and your sons and daughters to take off their gold earrings and bring them to me. All the people obeyed Aaron. Aaron, of course, being the person who had spoken for Moses, being the one who had been there with Pharaoh, being the one who was like second to, to Moses. They all trusted him as a leader over the people. All the people obeyed Aaron and brought him their gold earrings. And then Aaron took the gold and melted it down and molded it and tooled it into the shape of a calf. And the people exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you up out of Egypt. And when Aaron saw just how excited the people were about it, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there'll be a festival to the Lord. So the people got up early the next morning to sacrifice those burnt offerings and peace offerings. And after this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking and they completely indulged themselves in pagan revelry. They didn't worship God, they worshiped gods with a small g. They worshiped idols, they worshiped this gold calf. And then the Lord said to Moses, quick, go down the mountain. The people you bought from Egypt have defiled themselves. They've already turned away from the way that I commanded them to live. They've made an idol shaped like a gold calf and they've worshipped and sacrificed to it. And they are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. I've seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone in my anger so I can destroy them all. And I will make you, Moses, into a great nation instead of them. But Moses pleaded with the Lord not to do it. Oh Lord, he exclaimed, why are you so angry with your own people who you brought out of the land of Egypt with such great power and mighty acts? The Egyptians will say, God tricked them into coming to the mountain so he could kill them all and wipe them off the face of the planet. Turn your fierce anger away. Change your mind about this terrible disaster that you're planning against your own people. Remember your covenant, covenant being a promise. If you were here this morning, Mark explains that a covenant is a very special kind of promise, a kind of promise that you do not break. Because when you make it, you say, if I break this promise, kill me. You know, it's, it's a death sentence to break the promise. And God made that and he took that on. That He said he never wipes people off the face of the planet. So he said, remember your covenant with your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You swore by your own self that I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven, and I will give them all this land that I have promised to your descendants, and they will possess it forever. So the Lord withdrew his threat and didn't bring it against his people, the disaster he'd threatened. Anyway, Moses goes back down the mountain and he confronts the people. And he says, what were you playing at? I've hardly gone and you've already given up on God. You said, you go, you speak to God, we'll wait. We can't face him, surely we'll die. But instead you brought your own death sentence upon yourself. You ignore him, you turn from him. You know what that means. You've seen how powerful he is. You've seen all the miracles in the desert. You've seen the way he's kept you, he's fed you, he's given you shoes that have lasted for 40 odd years. You know, they wandered and wandered. God has done promise after promise with these people and yet, Again and again, they fail. 
In fact, Aaron, his own family, Moses' own family said, don't get upset, sir. You know yourself these people and what a wicked bunch they are. They said to me, make us some gods to lead us for something has happened to this man Moses who led us out of Egypt. So I told them, bring me gold earrings and they brought them to me. I threw them into the fire and, okay, Miss Calf. <laughs> We're not very good at taking upon ourselves our own actions and admitting them. Too often when we don't trust, we find an excuse, we find blame. Yet we still have a God who is merciful, who says, actually, you deserve to die, but that's not what I'm going to punish you with. But what he asks is that we're honest with him and that we seek his face. Part of waiting for God is we get to the point where it's uncomfortable. We get to the point where we think he's forgotten. We can get to the point where it seems like those promises could never come about in a million and one years. No matter how long we live, it feels like it's never going to happen. But don't forget, when God makes a promise, God is God. God is bigger than humanity. And to God, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. So when he says it will happen soon, his version of soon is not our version of soon. We are impatient. We're like children. Is it Christmas yet? Next day, wake up. Is it Christmas yet? No, God sees past that and he says, wait with me. Trust me, walk with me, obey me. In the end, they get to the promised land. God puts up with them, you could say. He keeps taking them by the hand and saying, yeah, you've messed up, come on, crack on, let's go, let's do this again. I'll, let, I'll forgive you, I'll, take, you know, I'll take, take away that death punishment again. We'll find another way of redeeming until the point that we get all the way through the Old Testament to Jesus because we still mess up and there is just no way that we can redeem ourselves through actions. The journey is the waiting. The promise is the call. Some of you may feel God has promised you very specific things, that God has written specific directions over your lives, that maybe you're called into a certain type of work Maybe you are called to have a certain type of ministry. Maybe you have been gifted with prophecy or with an amazing ability to lead others into worship. Maybe you are an intercessor and you can pray like nobody else can pray because God has gifted you that way. But he's still going to take you through places and times when you won't hear his voice. Where he sounds silent, where it feels like he is not there. But he is, he never leaves or forsakes us. And he asks us to wait expectantly to hear his voice. You've got to love the fact that Jesus told us so many times he was coming back. There are verses upon verses in the New Testament. Um, but he says, you also must be ready because the son of man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So that's that promise. We've been waiting over 2,000 years for him to come back. Yet it still could be in this very second that we see Jesus. But it could be our great, 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 great,
it's down to God. Nobody knows the hour or the minute. But we do know that God is with us and that his call is to trust and to wait on him. Actively waiting means remaining in Jesus. It means listening to his voice and being ready and expectant. How many times do we miss what God's saying just because we haven't been listening, we've been looking the other way? You can have a friend coming round for tea and you can be so busy getting ready, so busy putting the kettle on and making sure you've done the last bit of vacuuming in the house, so busy making sure that you've uh, removed the last random shoe that needs putting on the shoe rack, that you don't hear the doorbell and you miss them. And they try, and they try ringing your phone, but your phone's upstairs and you don't hear that. And they think that you must have gone out, something must have happened, you must have forgotten, and then they go away again. We don't want that to be the case with Jesus. We don't want that to be the case when the Holy Spirit comes tapping on our heart and saying, are you ready? Are you ready for the next bit of the journey? Are you ready for what I've got in store? But if we're praying and if we're actively spending time in the presence of God, we'll be there when he speaks. We'll be open to it. Our hearts will be ready. Preparing our hearts means to step before him. It means to abide in him. John 15, fantastic passage. In fact, that whole couple of passages in John 14, 15, 16, they're just like super meaty. If you haven't read them recently, or at all for that matter, well worth it, because there is a lot of promises in there, and God is good. But I want to leave you with this thought. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. And he cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned for greater fruitfulness by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. Sorry, I'm reading from a different version. It's a bit of the old NLT. Um... Shall I switch? Oh, he's switching. Oh. Verse five. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Because away from me you can do nothing. Anyone who parts from me is thrown away. Like a useless branch and withers, such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you stay joined to me and my words remain in you, you may... Ask any request you like, and it will be granted. My true disciples produce much fruit. This brings great glory to the Father. I have loved you even as the Father loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey me, when you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father and remain in his love, I have told you this so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And I command you to love each other in the same way I have loved you. And here is how to measure it. The greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends. You are my friends if you obey me. We can't make ourselves trust God. 
But what we can do is we can seek his face. We can spend time together with other members of the church, our family, our brothers and sisters, other people filled with the Holy Spirit who show us pieces of what God's like. Each one of us has grasped something of who God is when we come to him. When we become his child, something is revealed to us that maybe one of our brothers and sisters has not seen yet. We can grasp this by spending time worshiping. It changes our perspective. We see our heavenly father in a new light. Our eyes are lifted from the problems and the things that are traumatizing us and the things that are scaring us to the one who's bigger than it all, to the one who created us and loves us, to the one who kind of goes, yeah, you've got this little problem with money. I created money. Yeah, you've got this little problem with a broken bone. I make bones. Yeah, you've got this little problem with not having a job, so you're scared about providing for your family. I provided you with life, with your family. God's bigger than everything. And he says, come and remain in me. He invites us to be with him. He wants us to spend that time with him. And it's there, waiting in his presence, that we will hear his voice, that we will find the fulfillment of those promises of knowing what it is to be loved and to love him. So I just want to pray. Um, I want to pray for us all. Lord, would you help us to know you in a new and deep way, that we wouldn't be striving in our own doings, but we would be being with you in your presence, that we wouldn't try and take matters into our own hands, that we wouldn't try and make those golden calves and go, God's not shown up, so I'm going to make this happen. He promised this, so I know how to make this happen, but that we would trust you and that we would get to the point where it feels uncomfortable. And when we get to the point where it feels like there is no hope, that we would say, but God is bigger than this. God is still there and God's timing is not our timing. And I know he's still going to do this. Help us to put our trust in you daily, Lord. Teach us how to, together as a family, teach us how to through our worship through our prayers and through our reading of scripture as you reveal to us and if there's anybody here Lord anybody tonight who is feeling like they're stuck in a hole like they can't see God like he's distant like they can't meet with you Lord would you come down and would you bring your presence and would you give them a fresh touch would you comfort them Lord and say I'm here we thank you that you do this and we thank you that you are a God who saves us and that who waits for us and who is willing to wait while we're stubborn and run the other way. Help us to run back to you, Lord. Amen.